Miscarriages of justice and unsafe convictions happen more frequently than you might think. They happen due to forced confessions, unreliable forensic evidence, mistaken identifications, and even inadequate defence representation. Miscarriages of justice result in the destruction of lives, with the wrongly accused often tragically spending years behind bars. Compiled and created in the height of the COVID-19 lockdown by the Maynooth University Evidence Class of 2020. This is Injustices Served. Injustice is served when Gardi go bad. My name is Victoria Muha, and I, as well as my co-host from Anuth University, will present you with cases where the opposite of justice was served. Today, we are going to be discussing the case of Frank Short, a pub owner from Donegal who got falsely accused and incarcerated for consenting to drug dealing on his property. Kira will now provide us with more in-depth facts of the case. The facts of Frank Short's case are as follows. In summer of 1992, the locals of North Donegal began to see harmful signs of the modern drug scene in Ireland. Frank Short was the owner of the Point Inn, located on the Inishowen Peninsula, the country's biggest nightclub at the time and a hotspot for local drug deals. In April of 1992, Short, a chartered accountant and restaurateur in his late 50s, approached a senior Garda and requested that undercover Gardaí be sent inside his nightclub to potentially catch drug dealers in the act. Despite the Guardi's refusal to grant Mr. Short his request, they proceeded to launch an undercover operation in July of that year and did so rather suspiciously without his knowledge. Inspector Kevin Lennon of Buncrana Station and Detective Noel McMahon, a former member of the Emergency Response Unit with 20 years of experience as a guard, organised three visits to the Point Inn and conducted a raid on the night of the 2nd of August. Following the highly publicised raid, Garda technical experts confirmed that drugs were indeed found inside the nightclub. McMahon claimed he purchased drugs in full view of Frank Short when he was undercover. The Garda used marked £10 notes, two of which were recovered from a young dealer nicknamed Fringe. Based on layers of eyewitness testimonies and circumstantial evidence, Frank Short was charged with knowingly allowing drugs to be sold inside his nightclub. A plea bargain was offered and subsequently denied by Short, who pleaded not guilty on the advice of his legal team. New evidence emerged in the space of time it took for the district court to hand the case over to the circuit criminal court for trial in Dublin. Such evidence included an additional statement made by Detective McMahon detailing how he observed Short personally witness drug deals. On the 28th of February in 1995, Frank Short was convicted of allowing the sale of drugs and, and sentenced to three years imprisonment at Mountjoy Prison. Short suffered terribly behind bars. He lost over two and a half stone and was even placed on antidepressants. Within two years of Short's conviction, rumours that questioned the credibility of Lennon and McMahon began to circulate. Documents obtained on discovery and new witness statements 
successfully proved corruption within the Gardaí and as a result, Short's conviction was quashed on appeal in 2000. The corruption included bogus arms fines, perjury and the falsification of statements. Frank Short also appealed claiming further damages for breach of constitutional rights, conspiracy, negligence, breach of duty, malicious prosecution, false imprisonment, loss of reputation, slander, and the deliberate and conscious abuse of statutory power. An important witness for short was Adrian McGlinchey, who claimed to have seen Lennon and McMahon set up bogus arms fines in Rossnaula County, Donegal. Noel McMahon's former wife, Sheena McMahon, was another key witness who recalled seeing her husband, Lennon, and two other officers named Tina Fowley and Brendan Joyce put together a false statement at her home. In an interview on September 15th of 2000, she revealed that Noel McMahon had admitted to her that he perjured himself in the trial and that he believed Short's term of imprisonment was undeserved. Questions were also raised as Noel McMahon, who was known by his colleagues for being a compulsive note taker, had no written record whatsoever of having seen Short witness drug deals. There was also no record of the young dealer Fringe having been in Garda custody and nobody could provide a reasonable explanation for why he was never even charged. Fringe's original statement on his drug deal and the marked £10 notes included the point that he had handed the cash over to another dealer in order to obtain the drugs. This did not match up when the marked notes were discovered in Fringe's jacket the day after he was questioned. Emma will now discuss the evidence in further detail. Thanks for that, Kira. And guys, if you think that was bad, it's about to get a whole lot worse. The Cardi inquiry was a huge turning point in the course of this investigation, and it let the metaphorical cat out of the bag in exposing the corruption of the Gardaí in Donegal. It was set up by the then Assistant Commissioner in charge of the North West Division, Mr Kevin Cardi, on foot of numerous allegations of misconduct within the force. The report was extensive and the recommendation was made that at least five Gardaí face criminal charges from its findings. This leads us nicely to our first twist in the short case. Adrian McGlinchey was a member of a well-known Donegal family and was a frequent informant to the Gardaí in Donegal around terrorism and more specifically the IRA. She often had dealings with both McMahon and Lennon over the years and they would later confirm that she had been a reliable source to the police force throughout their time working together. As we talked about earlier, the Cardi inquiry was invaluable in the exoneration of Frank Short, and one of the biggest things to come from this was the evidence given by Adrian McGlinchey. Adrian provided detailed accounts of her experiences in working with the Gardaí in Donegal, and more importantly, her experiences of corruption and misconduct within the force. Although her general evidence of corruption raised suspicions in the present case, what really blew this case back open was the damning evidence she gave that Detective McMahon had approached her and asked her to plant drugs in a pub in exchange for money. The pub happening to be Frank Short's The Points Inn. McGlitchy gave evidence in the appeal trial for Mr Short. In her evidence, she spoke about how she was offered cash by McMahon to buy drugs and plant them in the Points Inn pub. Adrian claimed that she had agreed to McMahon's request, but on the night just didn't turn up. She said for years she had never known what had come of the raid, until McMahon later informed her that he had organised another person to carry out the job and they had been successful. 
During the Carty inquiry, this allegation was put to McMahon during a long interview that was conducted at his home in 2000. During the interview, he was questioned. She, Adrian McGlinchey, alleges that you were unable to buy drugs in the applicant's premises and that you had got her to buy drugs. She alleges that she gave them to you before you went on surveillance duty to the applicant's premises. When you came out, she alleged that you told your authorities that you had purchased the drugs off another person. She also alleged that you used a couple of other people to dump drugs at the applicant's premises. He replied, She was never in the applicant's premises. She was supposed to go there, but she never went. On the night in question, the 2nd of August 1992, McMahon undertook his final attempt to nail Short. McMahon went undercover for the last time in the Points Inn and alleged that he had purchased drugs off a man named Desmond Harvey, aka Fringe. In his evidence, Fringe said that he had indeed sold drugs to McMahon and in return was given what was later revealed to be two marked £10 notes. 60 Garda raided the pub and absolutely no drugs were reported to be found by the drugs recovered by McMahon. Fringe was searched outside the pub on the night and absolutely nothing was found in his person, not even the two marked £10 notes. He was brought to Buncran a Garda station when suddenly the two £10 notes appeared and were recovered on his person. He had used these notes to supply McMahon with drugs in the first place, so how could they have ended up back on his person once he got to Buncrana Guard Station? To take this one step further, there was also no record of Fringe having been in Garda custody, nor could anybody provide a reasonable explanation as to why he had never been charged. If you're at home thinking that this isn't adding up, then I can tell you that you are not the only one. Detailed notes on the raid, and more specifically the transaction with Fringe, were recorded by McMahon, an avid note-taker. In the notes, he recorded everything that occurred as form of evidence against Short, but he left out one vital thing, which was placing Short at the scene. Stay tuned, because Joe Bethel will talk more on this later. Evidence given by McMahon in the trial around this night of the 2nd of August would prove to be one of the only pieces of evidence that actually proved Short's guilt. This evidence is now shrouded in doubt and inconsistencies we've come to learn from the Cardi inquiry. McMahon's admission to the fact that Adrian McGlinchey should have been there on the night goes towards corroborating her evidence that indeed this was a setup. McMahon and Lennon, when questioned, both agreed and confirmed that McGlinchey had indeed been a reliable source to them throughout their dealings. At this point, it's important to note that although Adrian's evidence was heard in the appeal, the court did not record any findings on her evidence. The court said it was absolutely indisputable that had Miss McGlinchey not made certain allegations to the Cardi inquiry, the process which led to the discovery of other unquestionably significant facts relating to Short's conviction wouldn't have been founded. The court said that matters unrelated to McGlinchey's evidence had already established a miscarriage of justice and therefore they deemed it unnecessary to court any findings on her evidence. Although there were no findings on her specific testimony in the appeal, what would have been the impact of this newly discovered evidence had it been admitted in the original trial? It's hard to say, but had this information been made apparent at the time, it inevitably would have shed a doubt on the authenticity of the investigation and it would have been made subject to scrutiny. 
If Adrian's evidence was proven to be admissible at the trial stage, it could reasonably be said that the evidence collected as part of the investigation would be a serious breach of Mr Short's constitutional rights. It would have impeded his right to a fair trial and subsequently his right to liberty. If Miss McGlinchey's evidence was true, McMahon's testimony and proof of drugs recovered could most certainly have been the fruits of a most poisonous tree, a corrupt investigation. If McMahon's evidence was called into question and his credibility examined, the likelihood that Short would have been convicted would be very minute. We'll see later on how in the Court of Appeal it was noted that in hindsight there just was not enough evidence to commence the trial against Mr Short and that the prosecution essentially relied solely on the evidence of McMahon for its conviction. Thank you for this Emma. Jabata will now highlight more evidential issues in regards to the case. Thanks Victoria. So now let me take you to the next stage of this unfortunate journey that Short experienced. The principal evidence in this case was the oral testimony of Gardner Noel McMahon. During the early 90s, Donegal was being swept by drugs and drug dealers, and in such a time, people put their hopes and trust in the guardian. However, it can be said that some members of the police force simply began thinking that they are above the law and that whatever they say will be accepted as the truth. This belief got to the heads of Noel McMahon and Kevin Lennon, which ultimately led to the wrongful conviction of Frank Short. As said, Short was first presented before the district court where his solicitors pointed out certain gaps in the evidence against him. For a person to be convicted for permitting the sale and purchase of drugs pursuant to the Misuse of Drugs Act 1977, it is vital that such a person have knowledge of the activity in question. McMahon's initial statements did not mention Short seeing him buy the drugs. So the knowledge element was basically missing, which meant the case against Short at the time was quite weak. Nevertheless, in the circuit criminal court, McMahon gave an additional statement. This was when the case took a dramatic turn as now for the first time ever, McMahon spoke about Short's presence while he bought the drugs. In October 1994, two years after the raid, McMahon stated that Short was standing nearby and so he could not have missed the transaction. Prosecution heavily relied on McMahon's statement to conclude that Short did have the knowledge element. McMahon's direct evidence was given, if I may say, too much credence because he was a guarder who went undercover. I would say this is where the problem began. It's interesting yet odd that McMahon left out the whereabouts of Short from his first statement, yet he suddenly remembered it two years after the incident. It is also important to note how this can be possible when his initial notes did not even record whether Short was present at the time of transaction or not. When asked about the second statement he gave, McMahon claimed the exact details were still vivid in his mind. However, the Court of Criminal Appeal concluded that McMahon could not have remembered the events clearly given the contents of his initial notes. The reason why the trial court admitted his evidence was because it implicated Short, that it was relevant to the facts and they considered him to be a credible source. So in essence, what was once an inherently weak evidence had transformed to be something on the basis of which, along with other corroborative evidence, can convict Frank. Needless to say, this was only because the initial statements were amended. McMahon strengthened his credibility in the circuit court by making sure that his oral testimony can directly work against Short. 
The truth behind his statement was revealed in the year 2000 at the Court of Criminal Appeal when Noel McMahon's wife, Sheena McMahon, testified against him. She stated that he, in a distressed and guilty state of mind, confessed to her that he committed perjury. He did this to secure a promotion, but in the end, Lennon climbed up the ladder and took all the credit, leaving McMahon with nothing. This was backed up by McMahon's own statement that he was surprised when Short decided to plead not guilty. Respondents, on the other hand, argued that Sheena did not mention the allegation of perjury during the court inquiry and that this was the first time she was even speaking about it. To their dismay, a document was later submitted which presented that Sheena did speak about her husband's perjury before and this only heightened her credibility. Sheena also presented a document with the words perjury, setup and advice on proofs. McMahon stated that this had no connection to Short and that it was only noted down to remind him what his wife was alleging him of during their matrimonial proceedings. Now, here's the thing though, Sheena said she has never even heard of the word advice on proofs before. She also mentioned about a meeting which took place at the McMahon household between Lennon, McMahon and two other guardi. At this meeting, Lennon helped McMahon draft his final statement, advising him on what to say and what not to say. At this meeting, they brought to completion their conspiracy against Short. A key element of evidential rules is making sure that the evidence, while being relevant, does not create an unfair prejudice against the accused. Had it been known to the court that McMahon invented a fake scenario, Short would not have been convicted as the testimony does not have a probative value. The court would have also taken into account that he was coached by Lennon. McMahon's statements as a witness for the prosecution was grossly prejudicial to Short as he gave false details of what happened. His intention as an undercover guarder was solely to frame Short as opposed to wiping out the drug dealings. I would say he ultimately abused his powers as a guarder by creating a scenario which placed Short directly at the scene. Now before I finish up, if police perjury and falsification of evidence comes as a surprise to you, let me tell you that it happened in the 2005 case of DPP versus Murphy as well. This case involved the OMA bombing, so if you want to know more about that, let us know and we'll do a separate episode on it. So finally, that is all from me about the oral testimony of Noel McMahon. Thank you for that, Jabta. Lara will now walk us through some more of the misapplied evidential rules in Mr. Short's case. The next evidential issue we're going to talk about is that of omitted evidence. In criminal proceedings, there is a duty on the prosecution to disclose all information gathered by them that is relevant to the trial. This duty arises from Article 38, Section 1 of the Constitution of Ireland, which states that no person shall be tried on any criminal charge save in due course of law. This confers upon Irish citizens the right to a fair trial. In the case of Mr. Frank Short, we see how he was denied this right. This was not always known to the courts. A number of documents had originally been omitted by Superintendent Kevin Lennon in the Book of Evidence. The documents had only emerged as a result of the Carty inquiry. Garda McMahon, the principal prosecution witness, was a meticulous note taker and took an abundance of notes while investigating Mr. Short. When Garda McMahon was raided as part of the inquiry, many of these notes were found. These were hugely important notes that were taken during the case and according to case documents included a number of loose sheets of paper with Noel McMahon's handwriting on them dealing exclusively with the events at the applicant's premises from June to September 1992. They outlined the visits and alleged observations of the principal prosecution witness to the premises on each date. They were, however, found in a confused chronological order. 
second statement, with annotations by Superintendent Lennon, along with the advice and proofs, was found during the raid. As stated in case documents, the advice and proofs prepared by the prosecution outlined weaknesses in Under the Criminal Procedure Act of 1967, the applicant was returned for trial to the circuit court following service of the Book of Evidence. A significant part of the applicant's case centred on a notice of additional evidence served on the 4th of October 1994. These pieces of evidence were omitted from the Book of Evidence as they would have been not only detrimental to the prosecution's case, but incredibly helpful to Mr Frank Short. This was hugely influential as these documents would have cast out over the most heavily weighted piece of evidence within the trial, Gardner McMahon's testimony. These have been referred to in the case as newly discovered facts, but they were in existence before and during the trial of Mr Short. The omission committed by Superintendent Lennon was in clear breach of the evidential rule that the prosecution must disclose all information gathered by them that is relevant to the trial. The original notes taken by Garda McMahon were purposefully admitted to serve the prosecution's case. Without access to all relevant material, Mr Short could not defend himself fully, thereby inhibiting his right to a fair trial. Though not explicitly mentioned in the judgment, it is also worth exploring whether Garda McMahon's statement was in contrary to the best evidence rule. The best evidence rule states that the original copy of a document is the preferred form of evidence to be put forward in the book of evidence. As revealed by the findings of the Carty Inquiry, the original document containing McMahon's recollection of events was not produced at trial. Through his omissions, he broke this rule as he did not use the original piece of evidence in his trial, but an updated version of it. The discovery of the original document proves that the statement that did make it to trial was altered as the original contained annotations written by Lennon. The trend of omissions within the trial was later noticed by the Criminal Court of Appeal judge in which he highlighted the inconsistencies within the records provided by McMahon. Mr Justice Hardiman of the Criminal Court of Appeal noted that McMahon's original notes and the newly discovered notes, there was no mention that the applicant was present. However, in the edited statement he used as evidence at the trial, it was suggested that the applicant was present and witnessed the drug deal. The court believed that McMahon was an experienced detective and was unlikely to omit from his original notes the fact that the applicant was present during the drug dealing. Thank you for this, Laura. We will now be moving on to the final topic of our podcast, which is the outcome, that will be presented to you by Neil. On the 28th of February 1995, the defendant was convicted at the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court. The convictions were based on a proposition that the defendant was aware of and permitted drug dealing on his premises at the point in Quigley Point, County Donegal, between June and August 1992. On the 1st of March 1995, Short was sentenced to three years imprisonment on each count to run concurrently with a fine of £10,000. He appealed his conviction to the Court of Criminal Appeal, which was dismissed on the 23rd of June 1996. The defendant served a sentence of 27 months of three years. The Criminal Procedure Act 1993 Section 2 provides for an application by a convicted person to the Criminal Court of Appeal on the grounds that newly discovered facts show that there has been a miscarriage of justice in relation to his conviction. On the 20th of November 2000, the DPP uh, told the Criminal Court of Appeal that there was no opposition to this application and it was accordingly allowed, i.e. his conviction was quashed on the statutory ground that newly discovered facts made it proper that this should be done. The plaintiff applied to the Court of Criminal 
appeal pursuant to section 91 of the Criminal Procedure Act 1993 for a certificate that a newly discovered fact showed that there had been a miscarriage of justice which was certified on the 31st of July 2002. In 2005, Shaw applied for damages instituting an action for, dam for damages arising out of the conviction under Section 2.2 of the Criminal Procedure Act 1993, which provides as follows, a person to whom subsection 1 relates shall have the option of applying for compensation to the minister or of instituting action for damages arising out of the conviction. The plaintiff opted to institute the action for damages in the High Court. Mr Justice Finnegan and President of the High Court delivered his judgment on the 12th of October 2005. Mr Justice and President Finnegan awarded the following damages, 500,000 worth of general damages under Section 92 of the Criminal Procedure Act 1999, exemplary damages of 50,000 and under Section 91 of the Criminal Procedure Act of Legal Fees worth 12,650. 806,221 for loss of the point in the caravan park and 550,000 for the loss of net tax profits at the point in. The plaintiff appealed the judgment of the High Court to the Supreme Court who more than doubled the damages of the latter court to 4.5 million. The compensatory damages included aggravated damages from 500,000 to 2.25 million for the outrageous and arrogant manner in which the wrongs were inflicted upon him. Plaintiff suffered physical and mental deterioration whilst in Mountjoy Prison. He lost two and a half stone. He witnessed the rape by other prisoners to which he couldn't stop and suffered a reputation of ill repute to what was once a well-known and respected businessman in Carrollkill, Donegal. He was estranged from his family. His son Christian was taunted in school as being a son of convicted drug felon and he attempted suicide as a result. Exemplary damages were increased from 50,000 to 1 million to show the court's level of disapproval with the conduct of two Gardaí to make separate and distinct awards under this heading with 1 million being appropriate. Members of Angarda Shikana used undercover members to target him and not the drug dealers as the Gardaí were determined to gain promotion by catching him out to be a person who allowed drugs to be sold in his nightclub. The, the Chief Justice Mr Justice Murray held that the Gardaí the engaged in conspiracy to compile false evidence against the plaintiff, which resulted in perjured Garda evidence being given at his trial. The plaintiff suffered imprisonment, mental and physical deterioration, estrangement from his family, loss of business, public and professional ignominy and despair. The plaintiff was sacrificed in order to assist career amb ambitions of a number of members of Angarda Shiakana. Part of the case that are still not properly understood are one, the Court of Criminal Appeal stated there was no point, no case against him based on documents produced and it is not clear why it made a path to director of public prosecutions. Two, that Mr Short was offered a deal in which most of the damages would be dropped if he pled guilty to a singular specified charge with little punishment. Even three, evidence emerged late in the prosecuting process that had not been mentioned at first instance and for a while thereafter. This did not alert suspicions. 4. Whilst in prison during the lead up to his court of appeal day, he was given propositions such as a short prison term if he did not pursue the appeal. 5. How an essential admission of a perjury allegation made from a trusted source within the Gardaí was ignored. Another such instance of corruption in Donegal was that of Sergeant John White, who was mentioned in three reports of the Morris Tribunal, who was charged with three attempts to pervert the Court of Justice and three of making false statements to Gardaí in 1998. In this case, a man by the name of Mr Connell accused two members of the McBrady family 
of, of threatening to shoot him with a silver bullet. His defence argued that he was a mentally deficient man who was used in a plot by certain guards against the McBrearties. The Mars Tribunal, whose aim as a public inquiry into allegations of guard misconduct in the 1990s and 2000s resulted in the resignation of a chief superintendent, three superintendents and many more senior officials of the force. There were five reports in the Morris Tribunal, one titled Silver Bullet, which addressed Mr. Connell's case and concluded that he was in, induced by Detective John White to be used in catching the McBreary serving after licence hours. As a local of County Donegal stated, there is a widely held belief that three certain guardians were untouchable and dangerous to cross, and that there's no point in making complaints to guardian management or guardian complaint boards as there was a culture in force of blue silence, meaning the guardian would stand up for each other no matter how serious the allegations made against them. Superintendent Lennon was suspended in August 2002 and fired in October 2004, whilst McMahon resigned from the force before the Garda Commissioner was able to dismiss him. When asked by a reporter if he was happy that they were no longer in the police force, Frank Short replied no because they have families too. And this concludes our first episode of our podcast. What are your opinions on the case? We would love to know. Also, don't forget to send us any cases you would like to hear on our podcast in the future. We are your co-hosts, signing off.